0: Chapter Two, Part One of Women of the French Revolution by Winifred Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two, Part One, Salons and Salonnières. Woman alone can organize a drawing room. Man succeeds sometimes in a library, Benjamin Disraeli while in street market and on the high road French women of the humbler classes were making history in ways new to their sex up in the higher walks of society cultured dames were exercising a no less potent influence in the time-honored french way of the salon sociability is the most characteristic quality of the french nation and the salon the incarnation of sociability is the most typical of french institutions from the salon through four centuries have radiated wit grace and gallantry in a word the indefinable esprit francais. the french renaissance of the sixteenth century owed a debt to the salon which is not usually recognized in the following century as we all know polite society in the french sense of the term was cradled in madame de rambouillet's blue room fifty years later louis the fourteenth was framing his policy in madame de maintenon's apartments fifty years later still the social philosophy which was to transform france during the revolution was evolving in madame de tansay's salon out of the conversation of montesquieu and the encyclopedists the revolution which destroyed so much of l'ancien regime, was powerless to destroy the salon it persisted in spite of the convention's decree in seventeen ninety three abolishing it what did you do all that time somebody once asked of a member of the convention during the period known as the terror i lived was the reply while the salon as an institution succeeded in living many individual salons died only one that of madame helvetius the philosopher's widow persisted right through without a break from seventeen seventy two to eighteen hundred some were but temporarily suspended like the salons of madame de condorcet and madame de stal others were closed for like the salon of madame roland when their hostesses were taken away first to prison then to the guillotine never did the french passion for sociability assert itself more powerfully than in those tempestuous years never was social intercourse felt to be more indispensable than when prison gates closed on sallonniere and her guests then within those gates at the end of some lugubrious corridor in l'abbaye or la conciergerie dimly lit by a few tallow candles men and women having dressed with all the care then possible would assemble to discuss topics of the day or to try and forget them by composing a madrigal or repeating a bon mot why should one be awkward and morose they would say merely because an accident has placed one in uncomfortable quarters but though even in those grimmest days gleams of cheerfulness would keep breaking in it was inevitable that the rough blast of the revolution cyclone should fatally nip the fine flower of french wit and gaiety well might talleyrand say that he who had not lived before seventeen eighty nine could not know the sweetness of life one of the greatest charms of the pre-revolution salon had been the lightness and grace with which it had treated fundamental subjects whether like madame de condorcet academically equipped or like madame suard self-educated or like madame joffrin not educated at all the salonniere ever carried off gracefully her learning or her lack of it i would give half my geometry said the husband of madame de condorcet for the talent which madame suard possesses without knowing it she is eloquent as soon as she is moved as soon as her heart or her taste is wounded and i notice that women whose self-love is tempered by adroitness are careful not to wound her for some years before the taking of the bastille this special charm of the french salon had been threatened by the tide of intense seriousness flowing in on society madame geoffrey nobly did her best to stem it when conversation in her salon in the rue saint-honor was on the point of declining into controversy she would change the subject with her well-known phrase "Voilà qui est bien those words would be the signal for diderot the worst sinner in this respect to gather his friends round him and withdraw from madame joffrin's salon to a certain tree in the tuileries gardens opposite where the conversation would be continued madame Geoffrey died in seventeen seventy seven had she lived a few years longer she would have found her little phrase as powerless as canute's to resist the incoming ocean of seriousness Salons became so deadly in earnest that their old habitués did not recognize them. "'All France has turned into legislators,' sighed Horace Walpole. "'And all France meant for him the France of the Salons which he knew so well. "'The country,' moaned Grimm, and again the country meant the Salons, "'has been transformed from une jolie terre de petits scandales into un vilain pays de gros événements.' on his return to france from the empress Catherine's court went the round of the paris salons which had been the joy of his youth but he groaned as he found that political passion had turned them into arenas where contrary opinions battled and hurtled incessantly whence disputation had driven out discussion and where the entire fair sex was political dealt with nothing but politics and turned everything into politics our fair hostess of the revolution quivering with the political excitement which threatened to upset the teacup she was handing to her guest would feverishly demand of him not the latest madrigal or the newest bon mot but a ticket for the gallery of the constituent assembly or of the jacobin club while grimm and walpole deplored the new seriousness to madame de stal it lent the salon an additional charm never she writes was society at once so brilliant and so serious as during the first three or four years of the revolution reckoning from seventeen eighty eight to seventeen ninety one the change that had come over even women of fashion was heralded by the women's newspaper le véritable ami de la reine or journal des Dames. when ran an article in this paper our ladies were the wives of elegant talons rouges of gay magistrates when they had to shine in circles where the talk was all of the rain of the fine weather of a stage-player or of a whiskey a kind of car they never read anything but ditties and novels le journal des dames full of love idols madrigals and pretty nothings was as precious as it was indispensable but since their husbands have become men since in their children they have to breed men the rouge-box and shoulder-knots have been discarded the tender Dorin, the genteel bernard no longer lie upon their toilet-tables the moniteur or some political essay have taken their places and in order to please them le journal des dames must become serious over teacups and round the dinner-tables and the breakfast-tables of the revolution important political events were planned and political parties were founded in madame roland's salon in l'hôtel britannique rue Guénégaud, the girondiste party was born on madame robert's sofa says professor Ollard, the republican party came into being round madame d'audun's breakfast-table at number five place vendome vergniaud and other deputies of the legislative assembly drew up the programme of the first girondist ministry in madame duplaix's parlour in la rue saint honore her famous pensionnaire robespierre and his friends discussed the king's deposition thus completely were the bureau d'esprit being metamorphosed into salon d'etat madame de beauharnais charming blue and silver salon. Once famous as une excellent auberge because of its succulent Tuesday and Thursday dinners, came to be known as the egg whence sprang the National Assembly. Madame de Genlis's drawing room at Bellechasse, once the abode of the muse, came to be little more than the antechamber to the Palais Royal, i.e., to the Orleanist party. So much the fashion had the new seriousness become that the gayest and most frivolous affected it. In days when La Tragedie de Brutus and La Mar de Cesar were all the vogue at the Theatre Francais Richelieu, when Horatius Cocles and Miltiada Marathon were being played at the Opera, little society butterflies like the actress Louise Fusy would study Greek and Roman history, would read Plautus and Menander, and rave about the century of Pericles. But there were times when, for a brief space, the new seriousness relaxed. Then Madame de Genlis's husband, the ci-devant Marquis de Sillery, forgetting his gout would go down on his knees and polish the floor ready for the voluptuous russian dancing of his daughter henriette and of the mysterious pamela was she egalite's daughter no one ever knew then madame de Genlis herself might be persuaded to attune her harp and sing to its accompaniment her favorite and perhaps appropriate hymn to inconstancy even tyroigne de Méricourt, as we have seen for a while turned Salonnière we find her soon after the october insurrection entertaining to supper at her hotel de grenoble in la rue boulois serious politicians deputies even who apparently were totally ignorant of her past for in those days Tierwang's only lover was liberty she now posed as a prude and blushed at an equivocal story on the left bank of the river in a little hotel in la rue de Chantraine, which was to be josephine's later amidst flowers and perfumes and statues to the sound of mademoiselle cond's divine touch on the piano julie Talma, wife of the great tragedian received poets and artists david and Andre chenier philosophers and men of science condorcet and lavoisier but such moments all too rare and too fleeting were liable to rude interruptions one of these occurred at madame Talma's on the sixteenth of october seventeen ninety two julie was giving one of her most brilliant fêtes in honor of general dumouriez who was spending his four days leave in paris the Talmas had invited artists musicians and members of the convention brissot vergniaud santerre to meet him mademoiselle candaille was playing the piano when suddenly there burst into the salon three uninvited guests ferocious Jacobin one of them was marat in carmagnole with a dirty red scarf round his head from which escaped locks of greasy hair and round his neck a handkerchief loosely knotted he and his comrades came to accuse the general of having unjustly punished two volunteers in his army the guest of the evening had never seen marat before having been informed of his identity dumouriez with all the hauteur of the Frenchman of the world scornfully looked him up and down and then said ah so you are Marat." i have nothing to say to you and with those frigid words the general turned his back on the intruder marat was furious this house is a hotbed of counter-revolutionaries he howled as he went out followed by one of the guests bearing a red-hot shovel on which were sprinkled drops of perfume intended to purify the air infected by the jacobins pestilential presence the noise of the incident this fête offered by the daughter of talia to the son of mars was soon bruited abroad. The next morning, newspaper boys were crying in the streets Great conspiracy discovered by Marat! Great assembly of Girondins and counter revolutionaries at Talma's in honor of the traitor Dumouriez! Names of the conspirators who intended to assassinate the people's friend! The hero of this incident never forgave his hostess for bringing him into such painful notoriety in his memoirs he accused all the revolution women with the exceptions of madame roland and madame necker of being intrigantes or forcenée mad women. had he been just he would have made other exceptions and one of them would have been madame Talma's friend madame de Condorcet, daughter of le marquis de gauchy and sister of le maréchal de gauchy who fought at waterloo marie louise sophie afterwards madame de condorcet was born in seventeen sixty four at her father's chateau of villette on the borders of normandy and l'ile de france those who labor under the delusion that the whole of the french nobility on the eve of the revolution was merely frivolous if not corrupt should read the story of the serious upbringing of sophie and her brothers and sisters the education of boys and girls alike included latin greek modern languages specially english as well as for the girls music drawing and painting In her serious studies sophie soon became so proficient that when necessary she could take the place of the family tutor philosophy was her favorite study and her favorite book the meditations of marcus aurelius the grouchy children were encouraged to take an interest in people who were not of their own class on their expeditions into the woods they would cut faggots and bring them home to the cottagers madame de gouchy had invented a wonderful potato bread which her daughters used to bake and distribute in the village when sophie was twenty she had to leave her adored home and set out on the one journey of her life this was to neuville en bresse near lyon where there was one of those institutions of old france known as Chapitre. they were societies of ladies who were called canonesses and who belonged to the most aristocratic families the head of the chapter la doyenne alone took religious vows the others passed through an elaborate form of dedication but lived comparatively secular lives the neuville canonesses of whom there were forty-six not all in residence at the same time were bent on making the best of both worlds sophie the year after her entry was going to so many balls and reading so many philosophical works by voltaire and rousseau besides translating tasso and the sublime young that she lost both her health and her faith the latter she never recovered the former came back to her when she returned home as she was soon obliged to do then in the following year seventeen sixty eight her recovered charms conquered the heart of a hitherto confirmed bachelor of forty-three who came to stay with her father this was none other than the great Condorcet, the famous philosopher and mathematician the friend of voltaire and a member of two academies sophie did not return his passion but few french girls in these days and fewer still in those expect to be in love with their husbands it was not until four years later when her only child a daughter was born that sophie was to fall in love with hers at the time of her marriage celebrated on the twenty sixth of december seventeen eighty six respect and admiration had to suffice condorcet was not rich mademoiselle de Grouchy had no dowry there was no law in those days to prevent monsieur de Grouchy from bequeathing the whole of his property to his sons and this he had done condorcet's biographer arago can find no authority for the frequently repeated statement that the duc de la rochefoucauld promised the young couple an income of five thousand francs a year condorcet was one of the least cupidinous of men when his friend turgot had appointed him inspector of coinage he had refused to accept a salary his income when he married was probably about eighteen thousand francs but his taste and his wife's too were simple neither desired to cut a figure in fashionable society they refused invitations to court but they willingly entertained a king when like christian the seventh of denmark he happened to be a philosopher their salon at the mint l'Hôtel des monnaies on the quai de conti soon became the resort of poets and philosophers of Cheny, the abbe Morellet, the constant brothers charles and benjamin m Suard, whom to know was to know everyone who used a pen with distinction and madame among distinguished foreigners visiting paris few were those whose due feet failed to mount the staircase leading to madame de condorcet's drawing-room england was represented at her assemblies by my dear lord stanhope as french revolutionaries called him by adam smith whose theory of moral sentiments madame de condorcet was later to translate by tom Paine, who as representative of the department of n was to be condorcet's colleague in the convention by sir james mackintosh and by that eccentric david williams the founder of the royal literary fund the friend of franklin who probably brought him to l'hotel de monet thither too came the prussian anacharsis sclutz the swiss Grimm, and the italian tragic poet alfieri who was to marry the unhappy countess of albany possibly the condorcets were more appreciated by these foreigners and by their fellow countrymen with many of whom even with those who belonged to the same political party the Girondins, with madame roland for example they were not popular perhaps the condorcets were a little priggish a little ponderous at this time on the eve of the revolution their ideas were in advance of the average opinion of the day they were regarded as utopians condorcet went so far as to maintain that women should have votes and anticipating metchnikoff and bernard shaw that a time would come when human creatures would be able to prolong their existence through several generations in religious opinions the condorcets went further than most of the revolutionaries in politics they were among the first revolutionaries to avow republicanism when on the king's flight in seventeen ninety one they demanded a republic the monarchists were furious condorcet replying to the remonstrances of one of them exclaimed it is my wife's fault i allowed her to persuade me and would you disturb domestic peace for the sake of one king more or less though the boldness of madame de condorcet's opinions lost her certain friendships and closed against her certain salons the influence of her own salon le foyer de la République, as it was called grew apace her husband's advice on all sorts of political questions was constantly sought he did not sit in the first revolution parliament but he was constantly to be found in the precincts of the assembly and his wife from her seat in the gallery eagerly followed the debates when in the autumn of seventeen ninety one the second revolution parliament the legislative assembly was elected condorcet sat as representative for paris and for the third the convention he was elected by no less than five departments his outline of a constitution and his project for a state system of education exercised considerable influence on subsequent legislation and his wife were always interested in education and they were intimately associated with an interesting experiment inaugurated in the year of their marriage this was a fashionable lecture society known as le Lycée, and not unlike la société des annales of to-day it was founded in a house at the corner of the rue saint-honor and the rue valois by Monsieur louis the sixteenth eldest brother the comte de provence afterwards louis the eighteenth The comte d'Artois, afterwards Charles X, Monsieur de Montmorin, Secretary to Foreign Affairs, and Monsieur de Montesquieu. Lectures were given and classes conducted by the most distinguished scholars, notably La Harpe, Marmontel, and Condorcet. The society was an enormous success, especially among women. The members soon numbered seven hundred and included the most brilliant society and court ladies here at the lycée, the beautiful sophie surrounded by the habitues of her salon and saluted as la venus lyceenne carried all before her a popular versifier of the day compared the poverty of greece with her one aspasia to the wealth of france with her numerous lyceennes in france tout le beau sexe s'amuse du carré de l'hypoténuse et de newton women of genius are seen to étudier l'anatomie en vrai savant approfondir l'astronomie and to learn all such trifles without even knowing it indeed with such ease that they run the risk of becoming mere parrots the lycée closed during the most tempestuous years of the revolution was revived later and was imitated in another institution in seventeen ninety condorcet's office of inspector of coinage was suppressed by royal decree consequently the inspector with his wife exchanged l'hôtel des monnaies for a flat number fifty rue de lille at the corner of the rue de bellechasse where madame de condorcet continued her salon in the spring of that year her only child a daughter alexandrine louise sophie generally known as elisa had been born barely more than a year old the baby in her mother's arms was in the crowd fired on by lafayette's soldiers on that famous sunday the seventeenth of july seventeen ninety one when the people assembled on the champ de mars to demand the king's deposition in the october of that year condorcet was as we have said elected a member of the legislative assembly in the previous month he had been nominated to a post in the treasury and horace walpole had written ironically to conway good Monsieur condorcet has got a place in the treasury with a salary of one thousand pounds a year later it is condorcet and such monsters later still walpole can believe any villainy of such a fiend as these epithets imply the condorcets were becoming more and more pronounced in their revolutionary opinions in their republicanism especially in the autumn of seventeen ninety one they refused to allow their names to be included among those suggested as tutors and governesses of the dauphin between the twentieth of june and the tenth of august in that year madame de condorcet had received some four hundred delegates from marseilles who had come to paris for the feast of the federation in her house in the rue de lille and as we might expect she had completely bewitched them a few months later the condorcets with madame and mademoiselle de Grouchy, took a furnished flat at auteuil in the house of the citizeness pignon number two in la grande rue there they intended to spend the summer months returning to the rue de Lille in the winter auteuil is now a suburb of paris not more than half an hour's tram ride from the gare st lazare in those days it was a separate village for some years before the revolution auteuil had been a favorite resort of literary paris so of course it had salons three of them were famous the salon of madame helvetius the philosopher's widow the salon of la comtesse de Boufflers and the salon of the general and military engineer le michaud Darson. the first alone can strictly speaking be called a revolutionary salon and this is what had attracted the Condorcet to auteuil madame helvetius was an old friend of Condorcet's. he had known her in her husband's lifetime when in la rue st anne in paris she presided over assemblies so brilliant that they were named the states general of human intelligence Les Etats généraux de l'esprit humain. Some of the guests of Madame Helvetius, however, were shocked by the frankness which prevailed, and Fontenelle implored his fellow guests not to speak evil of the devil, who might well be God's business man. Messieurs, ne disons pas de mal du diable, c'est peut-être l'homme d'affaires du bon Dieu. Madame Helvetius herself, when the conversation grew too profound or too profane, would draw her special friends apart, leaving her husband to continue with the rest what she called his hunt for ideas, despite her comparative superficiality. However, when Elvisius died in seventeen seventy two his widow kept her husband's friends, and Condorcet was not the only one who followed her to Auteuil, whither, having married her two daughters successfully, she retired to a house and park bought from the famous pastelist Conté de la Tour thither soon after their marriage condorcet had brought his young bride madame helvetius loved men adored children doted on animals and like many other salonnières disliked women whom she considered proud and heartless it says much therefore for the grace and charm of sophie de condorcet that as soon as her husband brought her to auteuil this remarkable and difficult old lady made her an habitue de la maison for madame helvetius would have agreed with a later salon dame la comtesse d'agout daniel Stern, who advised her young friend juliette lambert madame adam about to open a salon that she must have four times as many men friends as women if your friend be a man bring him said another salonniere madame Mole. men animals and children returned the affection of madame helvetius turgot and benjamin franklin who lived at passy to be near her sighed in vain for her hand in marriage Children flocked to the terrace of her house to see her tame birds feed out of her hand. They appreciated much more than their elders her colony of cats and her fierce bulldog brought from England by Franklin's nephew as an offering to Notre Dame d'Auteuil, which was the American's name for his lady. The dogs and cats that invaded the whole house were the despair of two non practising and later non juring abbes, Morellet and Laroche, who were madame's permanent guests after the bull-dog had bitten la roche morelet wrote to franklin who had returned to america that they were trying to persuade madame to send franklin's gift to a bull-fight also that they proposed to present franklin with a boat-load of the eighteen cats which were on the point of becoming thirty End of chapter two part one